into the existing, the current government has done so much to take away, uh, to compromise the people's confidence in the democratic institution. I cannot say that I feel that the elections will be fair and free. I can just say that I'm praying that the elections can be fair and free. So this coming election is a huge test for our nation. Can we continue along the narrative that we have um, established for ourselves over the last few decades since democracy was reintroduced in 1991? Mm. It's a big test for our nation. Zambia's national elections will be held on the 12th of August 2021. This comes against a dangerous background of the country veering towards dangerous authoritarianism and President Edgar Lungu using underhanded tactics to extend his authoritarian rule. Human rights defenders in Zambia face arrests, violent threats, intimidation tactics, surveillance and smear campaigns as the government persecutes civil society and challenges the legitimacy of HRDs who speak out against the crackdown on freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, and other core civil and political rights. HRDs worry that elections will not be free and fair, and that state authoritarianism will only worsen. My name is Linda Kasonde. I am the executive director of an organization called Chapter One Foundation here in Lusaka, Zambia. So Chapter One Foundation is an organization that promotes and protects human rights, human rights defenders, constitutionalism, the rule of law and social justice in Zambia. And we do that through strategic public interest litigation, uh, general litigation, um, advocacy, and civic education. Tell us, how are things going in Zambia as the national elections draw closer? So uh, the country has essentially been in election mode since the last election in 2016. And I think it's fair to say that the incumbent has been using the advantage of the incumbency to try and persuade people that they are the right people in government. Um, but the, the problem has been generally that the rule of law, uh, generally good governance and social justice have been deteriorating rapidly um, over the last sort of five to ten years uh, when this government has been in office. Um, with regards to human rights, we've seen the physical space being shut down by the use of the Public Order Act, which is the act that governs gatherings by um, ordinary citizens, uh, civil society, political parties. Um, uh, under the current dispensation, anyone who is seen to be uh, in opposition or dissenting, or providing dissenting of views to the government, uh, have not been allowed to gather peacefully um, as the Public Order Act has been weaponized against them. And now we have a new act uh, which was passed um, just a couple of months ago called the Cyber Security 
and Cyber Crimes Act, which now governs uh, or polices rather the digital space. So uh, online um, gatherings, online posts on all social media platforms are now uh, governed by this act. And our fear is that exactly what has happened to the physical space when, when no one tries to gather anymore will happen to um, the digital space because that is the platform now to which a lot of people have shifted to express themselves, um, to give their views on governance issues and anything that's happening in our society. And that is now under threat um, with um, increased, uh, the threat of increased surveillance mm. by the authorities, um, by the introduction of various cyber crimes, which are poorly defined or in some cases not defined at all, um, by search and seizure powers, which are excessive. Mm. And generally, those, those, the law threatens the right to privacy, the right to security before the law, freedom of conscience and freedom of expression. So mm. not just for ordinary citizens, but also the media uh, and, and also political parties. So it's a huge problem mm. um, which has arisen. And also um, in terms of the playing field for, um, for the upcoming elections, uh, the closure of the Post newspaper in 2017 and the subsequent post of closure of Prime TV, which was the largest independent TV station in 2019, um, has led to a chilling effect uh, in the media or amongst media houses as to what could happen if um, their voice is too strong against the government. Mm. Um, we've also seen um, radio stations being stormed by ruling party um, supporters when opposition leaders come and um, are interviewed on these radio stations. Um, we've also seen the rise in what's called lawfare, the, the fighting of political battles through the courts. Mm. And uh, generally, we've seen that um, cases are decided in favor of the government most times, if not almost all times. Mm -hmm. So these are all very worrying trends uh, with regard to the environment around the election. And of course, most worryingly, there's been a lot of electoral violence, mm -hmm. um, particularly between the ruling party and the leading opposition political party, UPND. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it would appear that over the last 10 years in particular, the ruling party cadres, as we call them, have become extremely unruly. We've seen them um, storm police stations and beat up police policemen. We've seen them, um, in some cases, kill people, mm. and nothing happens to them. There's been no consequences for anything that that they do, and mm. uh, they appear to be a law unto themselves. Yeah. Uh, and also, a worrying trend has been the militarization of the police mm. against the citizenry. Uh, in the last sort of couple of years, the police have been, you know, armed to the teeth with tanks, guns, mm. something that is very alien uh, mm. to, to our country. You know, we're known to be a beacon of peace and stability, 
And so uh, the sight of tanks rolling through our streets uh, is now not too uncommon, mm. which is, you know, extremely worrying. Mm. Um, so these are all things that uh, concern us in the, in the run-up to the election. As you're speaking, I'm, I'm reminded of the report that Frontline did and, and the name was Sleeping Authoritarianism and, you know, that's kind of what it sounds like you're describing. And I just want to ask, outside of the context of elections, when did Zambia start seeing this change in governance? I think it's fair to say that um, successive governments have infringed the rule of law and, and, and human rights to various degrees uh, in the past. And uh, what's worrying is that um, the levels of impunity with the current government are completely unprecedented. Mm. Um, the levels of violence, um, the level of um, weaponizing the law against citizens and creation of laws that curtail freedom of expression and other rights, attempts to hijack the constitution as was mm -hmm. seen with the constitutional amendment bill of or number 10 of 2019. Um, so we're, we're in uncharted territory. The narrative that Zambia is a peaceful, stable democracy uh, in which um, peaceful transitions take place is now under threat, is now under question. So this coming election is a huge test for our nation. Mm -hmm. Can we continue along the narrative that we have um, established for ourselves over the last few decades since democracy was reintroduced in mm. 1991. Mm. It's a big test for our nation. Coming to 2020, August 2021 elections, I believe that elections will be held freely and fairly and, and why or why not? So we've already seen some very worrying trends. For example, um, when, when the Republican president launched his party's uh, campaign for the 2021 elections, he called for campaigns to be, uh, uh, sorry, uh, campaign rallies to be um, banned on the pretext that there's COVID and, uh, and also because of electoral violence. Mm. And very shortly afterwards, we saw the Electoral Commission make announcements to the effect that uh, campaign rallies would be suspended. Um, so uh, there's a worrying trend that the Electoral Commission is also seemingly under the control of the government as opposed to being an, an independent authority, which it should be. Um, we've also seen the death of the, the shooting of two unarmed citizens by the police who were peacefully gathering to uh, witness um, the UPND leader, Hakeinda Hichilema, uh, going to be interviewed at the police, something also that is, 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 is uh, unusual in our country. Um, and of course, the media playing field has been very uneven. Um, we've seen the ruling party in particular buy and block out spaces, not only on the public broadcaster, but also in private media as well. So these are all very worrying trends. And another thing that's been happening increasingly, particularly over the last two years or so, is the use of um, the crime of criminal defamation and defamation against the president um, to silence critics 
of the mm. of the government, whether they're political opponents or whether they're ordinary citizens. Mm. And this has been a, a trend that is increasingly um, uh, being used. Um, only today I had a client convicted of criminal libel um, mm. for allegedly defaming a minister. So these mm. are all very worrying trends because uh, it, it's questionable whether or not in a democratic society such as ours we should have such crimes exist at all mm-hmm. sedition is another char- is another charge that's being leveled against critics of the government uh, and another thing that we're seeing particularly over the last two years is prolonged detention before trial you're speaking about the you know the, the blocking and the censorship of media coverage and freedom of expression who controls narratives um, in Zambia so we've got public broadcasters, um, national broadcasters such as the Zambia National Broadcasting Corporation. But we also have independent media, and um, there, there's quite a lot of actually independent media and community uh, radio stations and TV stations that have been, you know, um, blossoming in the last few years. But the trouble is that they're being controlled by, for example, I, I use the example of the Post newspaper that was uh, closed uh, allegedly for tax um, evasion. Mm. Um, but that just seems to have been a pretext to, to silence a critic of the government. Mm. Uh, and those sorts of threats are being used behind the scenes against radio and TV stations that might be vocal. Mm. Um, we've also seen Prime TV allegedly closed for failure to um, comply with um, uh, uh, licensing requirements. Um, mm. So all of these things are very okay. worrying. So it's not that there isn't private media or platforms for on which people can express themselves. It's that there is... Yes, they, they they get targeted when when they're vocal or critical of the government. Artists are restricted and targeted for their political commentary through music and other forms of art. Artist Esharadizi had to go into hiding in fear of being killed or attacked for releasing music which comments on the political situation in Zambia. The government also controls a large part of the media and thus censors content in favor of the ruling party. In 2016, the government even shut down one of the largest independent media houses, The Post. So, my name is uh, Pilato and I'm uh, a music artist and human rights activist, human rights defender in Zambia. And much of my work has been through music and uh, community and public engagement. So I do a lot of uh, music production and music that discusses issues of uh, equality, justice, and inclusion. And uh, I also do a lot of advocacy on uh, inequality, equality, social justice, because I believe that once society is tilted towards a certain class, there is also, that also means disadvantaging the other class. And at, at, at the tip of that is corruption and abuse of public resources that eventually leads to uh, 
unbiased or poor service delivery for the majority of our people, our poor communities here in Zambia. So my work is around that. And of course, gender equality and all that. Mm -hmm. And those that steal from the poor, those that uh, take advantage of their power and abuse their power to advantage themselves, do actually steal the mm. dignity of so many other people. So my work is around uh, that. Okay. That's really beautiful. You've, you've um, touched on, you know, sentiments of freedom of expression. And as an artist, I know you've previously been arrested for some of your songs, you know, criticizing the president, criticizing the government. Can you tell us a bit more about this and, and your experiences as, as an artist speaking out against injustice in Zambia? Yeah, so I, I believe, first of all, I believe that music like every other art discipline has a lot of power to shape perceptions, to influence uh, society. And because of that belief, I use my art to influence how society perceives things, how society relates with nature, how society relates with each other and engagement with power. So in the past, I've uh, used music to engage on very uh, sensitive and critical subjects. And uh, in 2015, first time I did a song that questioned uh, the, the decisions made by the president of Zambia, Mr. Edgar Lungu. I was arrested and accused of defaming him and then also charged with disturbing peace. Mm. So uh, my argument has always been that my, my work as an artist is to express myself. And if an artist that I am, I'm denied the power or the right to express myself, then I'm as good as a dead artist. So my own existence, my own existence as an artist is validated by my ability to express myself as an artist, to live as an artist, to produce art. Mm -hmm. And what good is my art if it does not speak about the issues mm -hmm. that affect the people and the community that I live in? Of course. So uh, my freedom of expression as an artist is what defines my own existence. My ability to express myself as an artist is what makes me an artist. Mm -hmm. And any law, any individual or any force that tries to take that away from an artist uh, or take that away from me, they are actually trying to declare me dead. Because what good is an artist if I do not make or produce art? Recording. So you're talking about, um, you know, some of the crackdowns and the restrictions on freedom of expressions as an artist. Um, how do you navigate this and, and how do other artists doing similar things uh, in Zambia navigate this crackdown and, you know, this restriction on your freedom of expression? So basically what, what the authority try to do is to instill fear in artists and make artists self-censor themselves. So what I do uh, is I just choose to exist as an artist. So what that means is that I refuse to surrender to anybody that tries to take away 
my ability to express myself. How I navigate through this is by insisting that I deserve the freedom to speak, I deserve the freedom to express myself, and I do enjoy that freedom uh, to the best of my ability. I know it's, it, it's offensive to those that try to take that right away from me, but I do not think I would get to a point where I would surrender that power to anyone. I would rather I would rather they take away my life than take away my freedom to express myself as an artist because it's 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 one and the same thing. Wow. Coming to coming to uh, my fellow artists, a good number of them do not engage on topics that may lead or cause uh, mm. trouble for them. So they would they would rather be safe mm. and talk about things that would make them money. Mm. Uh, sometimes without care for what they'll be losing in the end. Mm. Uh, there are other artists that I know, a few artists that I know that insist on their freedom to express themselves, they express themselves. And most of these, first of all, have been marginalized economically. They cannot engage in any economic activity. And when they move around, they have to move around watching their back, no, mm. knowing that anybody could uh, attack them or uh, cause injur in injuries on, on them. And so there have been a few people that I know, a few artists that I know that have actually been attacked mm -hmm. because of what they stand for, because of what they call for in their music mm. and, and things like that. Wow. So that's the situation. Wow, I think that takes so much bravery, but just Hearing, you know, hearing how you, you speak um, and, you know, not being apologetic, I think that's really inspiring and that's really beautiful, actually. Um, how has the situation been for you and other human rights defenders who have been, you know, vocal about the upcoming elections? The, these elections have been uh, like every other election, obviously. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of art that has been produced uh, in terms of music around these, uh, these elections. Mm. And much of this art is sponsored art by political parties. There is one artist, Michael Zulu, who did a song called Elections, Erections. Mm. And uh, I don't think there is any, any, any negative reactions to that. Mm. I'm hoping to release my song tomorrow. Okay, that's uh, great. That's great. Yeah, so... Uh, not sure what to happen, but I do hope to release a song that uh, really uh, tries to challenge the public mm. to uh, to pay attention to criminals that steal from uh, mm. the country and reward the individuals. So uh, yeah, I'm hoping that I, I get it out tomorrow. But the whole atmosphere has been that most artists are actively involved in these elections and most of them are doing work for political parties, mm. which me and a few others are not. And we're still sticking to the idea that we need to represent the common, uh, mm. the common views and mm. uh, common voices of our people in our communities. So you, you're a non-partisan voice at this point, I guess. <laughs> yes. Okay, <laughs> I see. And um, in terms of the upcoming of the elections, upcoming you know, what are you hoping, what are you hoping to, see to see coming out of coming these out elections that, elections that would create a safer environment, environment, you know, for human rights defenders, and not only that, but, 
you know, tying into the broader um, democracy for Zambia? Uh, so first of all, what I would want to see, and uh, which is really my wish, is I would want, I would wish for a change of government. Hmm. And why that is important for me is because this government, the existing, the current government has done so much to take away, uh, to compromise the people's confidence in the democratic institutions. Mm. The people are more scared now to engage on things that actually affect them so much. Mm. The people have lost confidence in the courts of laws. The people have lost confidence in the judiciary. The people have lost confidence in all the public institutions, including the institutions of our democracy. Mm. And corruption has become a culture that instead of being lost, people celebrate. We look at the corrupt as heroes. Mm. And so for me, to put a stop to this culture or to this degeneration, I would really be happy if we changed government. Mm. So then we can, we can reset as a people and challenge ourselves to build ourselves back and back and better mm. but should there be should that be difficult should that should we fail to vote out this criminal government mm. we could still as people stand up and defend our own dignity we could still insist to hold these uh, politicians accountable we could still protect and defend our freedoms and rights mm. to speak and be heard and for politicians to respond to our cause and, and concerns. Mm. And that is still necessary even if we changed governments. Every other government must remember that mm. the ultimate power, the ultimate form of power is in the hands of the people that actually vote for these politicians into office. Mm. It is my hope and belief that should we change power, the people of this country will consistently and continue to engage and hold leaders accountable. Mm -hmm. so that we do not backslide, so that we do not create a, a society that, uh, that produce fear for people, that produce cowards, even when the fear is coming at the expense of uh, freedom, their freedom and, and peace. So the, the standard reality now is that three quarters of the media institutions in Zambia First of all, there is the public media. And then these politicians that have stolen so much money have also gone a step further to invest in media institutions. Some have bought shares in radio stations. They've bought shares in TV stations. Wow. And, and, and the idea is that they create a narrative that is consistent with their propaganda so they use yeah. the public media but then also transfer it to private media mm. so individuals like me and so many other activists do not find space mm. when it when it's necessary in these media platforms because the people that influence decisions the people that direct or regulate the narratives mm. do not want to hear the alternative voice do not want to hear uh, uh, people or do not want to accommodate uh, alternative opinions uh, mm. to what they want the community or society or the country mm. to to hear. Mm. So that's uh, that's our situation here. And almost every organization, every media, almost every media institution has some bias. So you find there are those that will speak for the opposition. There are those that will speak for the ruling party. Mm. 
Mm. And when you are invited for an interview, the first question you ask for is, who wants to use my voice to uh, validate their position? You see what mm. I mean? Mm. So the, the media will have a position, but then they would want to say, okay, so since Pilato would uh, want to say this, would be easy to say this, uh, then let's talk to Pilato. Mm. Or this person would like to say this against uh, mm. the opposition, then let's find this particular yeah. individual. Yeah. So that has gone step further also, mm. where individual journalists also subject themselves mm. or offer themselves to do uh, stories that are below the standard of journalism. Yeah. So that when they have, whoever they are supporting mm. or writing for gets in power or is in mm. power, could mm. give them a job uh, and probably send them into uh, yeah. a diplomatic uh, wow. <laughs> for diplomatic jobs and all of that. So that's the kind of a landscape that we are mm. operating in at the moment. Mm. Sounds like there's, there's been a loss of integrity with journalism and media and lots of opportunism as well. Yeah. So at the moment, I'll be very honest with you that it would be difficult to declare the uh, elections free and fair Mm. Uh, because already the, uh, the the ground is not leveled. Yeah. So uh, as we are talking, the president is busy campaigning on the copper belt, mm. but other opposition political parties cannot be allowed even to visit uh, their own uh, members in different places. So wow. the police officers, the election commission of Zambia are working together to make sure that they protect the current government and president mm. and they're doing so by blocking other opposition political parties wow. from interacting and campaigning so we uh we just a few days ago when the president was uh i think he was on the copper belt and sending pictures and videos of him interacting with people distributing mm. covid19 to poor people Wow. We we also noticed that the the candidate for the Democratic Party, Mr. Harry Kalaba, mm. was being harassed and uh, stopped, intimidated and intimidated mm. by the police. Wow. Same day, same time. Wow. So this other one is saying is distributing masks. This other one is saying is distributing masks, but this one is being stopped. The other one has not been stopped. Mm. Uh, the other one was the leader for the UPND who was stopped from uh, flying from Lusaka to wherever he wanted to go for campaigns. Mm. And they were told that the Zambia Air Force has, cannot give you the permit to fly uh, because the president was flying. So you already <laughs> see that. <laughs> so, you're, so you already see that the, 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 the field is not leveled. Mm. And from there the outcome of an election are uh, put uh, are questionable because you've mm. not allowed the same time and privileges and freedoms of to course. the candidates to meet and interact with their with, with their electorate mm. yeah. civil society in zambia is alive and active but they too face the danger and threat of attacks harassment violence and more civil society actors are active in different regions of the country, rural and urban, but they face the same pushbacks for their work.
So I, my name is Laura Mitu and I head the Alliance for Community Action. Uh, we are an NGO looks at the organization uh, that works primarily in um, public finance accountability. So, and this is by this is mostly because um, Zambia is a country in which which has high but unnecessary poverty. Uh, and it's a poverty that affects people's rights, so uh, basic rights, um, education, health. The Zambians access very, very poor services, largely because of the corruption, really. And so we try to encourage citizens to understand their right to ask questions. It sounds like the, the law is used as a tool um, to to target human rights defenders and make their life difficult. And this was harassment. Mm. This was harassment, and increasingly even passing new law now uh, openly targets uh, not, not only will be used to harass people uh, but where it's legal harassment so like now we have a new cyber security law which if you read is really an anti-human rights tool so those of us who work in, uh, on, on, in, in the social media space uh, have to think twice about what we post and the reason, of course, for that is that having closed down the physical space, human rights defenders and citizens have generally used uh, social media uh, to speak to each other and to raise uh, issues. So a law is passed that makes this very difficult, or at least is a, is, is, is a cloud hanging over anybody yeah. that decides to do uh, this kind of work. So yes, uh, there is real judicial harassment. Uh, I just want to ask you a bit more about the, the cyber security law, if you can tell me a bit more about this. I'm, I'm assuming that it comes down hard on, on anyone that's perhaps speaking out against the government. Yes, uh, so the cyber security law uh, ostensibly is made to protect uh, citizens from cyberbullying, but especially it was sold as a way of protecting mm. children from sex exploitation wow. on social media. Then you read that law and maybe they're, maybe they're about one percent of, of the of the closes uh refer to cyberbullying mm. or uh, to sex crime just about uh, all of it tries to prevent citizens from picking mm. up or asking questions, or asking questions of, 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 of government so for example it infringes on privacy uh, it says I'll, I'll give you an example a law enforcement officer can um, on the suspicion of that uh, a premises is being used for cyber crimes or any any other crimes can come in, in, uh, into, into 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 this office and uh, shut it down or confiscate um, digital. Um, I, I think they put them as digital equipment or something. If, if, if you look at how fluid it is, it says the law enforcement officer is, is a police officer or anyone the minister declares. So a, a, a ruling party cadre can, for the purpose of yeah. this cyber law, yeah. come into your office and uh, confiscate information. Privacy is, uh, is all uh, negated by the law. So they can come in, force anybody with, with mm. of the staff to reveal uh, all, all information. It's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Mm. Um, what is uh, most concerning? 
the cyber law, it, 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 it then says something to the effect that this law is um, takes precedence of any other law. O only a constitution should take precedence of any other law. You see, so if uh, you, you cannot rely on another piece yeah. of legislation to protect yourself because this this one has been given this ultimate power. So it's, uh, it's that, it's, it's no, that kind mean, of thing. In the last few, I would say in the last decade, perhaps in Zambia, the situation in terms of human rights and, and authoritarianism has, has sort of worsened. And so do you believe that, or what are your thoughts rather on the upcoming elections? Do you believe that elections will be held freely and fairly come August 2021? No, uh, they will not be free and fair because the run up to them already has not been free and fair. So you have uh, processes like voter registration, which have always been quiet, really uh, understated affairs. Mm -hmm. Very controversial this time. So people who wanted to get on the voters were not able to because the voting period was reduced. Yeah. ongoing according to the law of course it's due to a month which is less than even the previous period we have historically had and uh, then when the voters roll came out the voters roll the issues that to the electoral commission of Zambia has refused to have opted areas known as um strongholds of the opposition parties somehow have their have had numbers of voters reduced without explanation. While mm, numbers of voters wow. have increased in, in areas seen as strongholds of the of the ruling party. Then just blatant uh, malpractice, you know, private mm. voters is open, prevention of opposition parties wow. that are mm. going on. Um, apart from that, it's you, you can almost be sure that some kind of either open or covert um Rigging is going, is, is going to, to, to happen because of what we've seen going mm -hmm. on the election. But I think most importantly, an election credibility is most about trust. Mm -hmm. trust mm -hmm. the, voter. the voter should not be trusted. Mm -hmm. uh, in this election, it, it's almost felt as though power holders wanted for citizens not to trust the process. Anything that can uh, uh, reduce trust mm -hmm. seems to. Um, have happened. So it's a we're going towards an election, which I think for the first time in uh, a couple of decades is, is, is quite worrying in terms of. Uh, so, I mean, coming to to the outcomes of the elections, uh, do you have any expectations at this point? And to you, how would the future of Zambia be different with a win from the ruling party versus a win from the opposition? Well, given that the ruling party is unapologetic for crushing the economy, uh, the amount of debt it has uh, contracted, uh, which debt is not going on, corruption, violence, mm. totally unapologetic. Mm. If the ruling party wins, they're going to face more of the same and worse. Because can you mm. imagine the impunity yeah. after all this? And yeah. then you win? You know, or whatever, by any other means, you can power, you have no reason. Mm -hmm. So, the reason why, for example, I think most human rights defenders would like a change is not even that um, you're particularly enamored by the opposition, it's just that you can uh, things have been so bad in the last 10 years. So, our democracy has taken so many steps back mm -hmm. our constitutionalism, as mm -hmm. we were saying, uh, our ability to speak up 
everything has gone that that's then just the, the, the poverty. Yeah, mm. so that's the reason why you, one would fear. Yeah. Yeah. From what you from what you're saying, obviously the ruling party is is taking a number of steps to ensure that you know that something like that would happen again. What are how do how do how do people on the ground feel about the opposition party? Is it a is it a viable alternative to the ruling party? I think we are where we get to every so often in Zambia, where the ruling party loses. What they say is yeah. I think the opposition party has become popular by people. Um, to be fair, the head, the, 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 the main rival of the ruling party is a much better candidate than the president. I mean, there's no comparison. Party, democracy, you know, between the UPAD and the PF. I don't think the UPAD is, has, done, has, has really um, yeah. covered itself in. Uh, uh, in, in stars as it were. So, but yes, I, 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 I would say that just about any opposition party that's standing against the PF would be better, and and that I would say that uh, uh, HH would be better for the country. You know, it's, 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 your question is like I say, you look at the corruption levels, you look at the debt, you look at the incompetence, look at the poverty, look at the hunger. You just think you have to reset. In order to, you know, to see that reset in Zambia, um, looking at where Zambia started, you know, at the point with, with um, Dr. Kenneth Gaunda and uh, a flourishing multi-party democracy, what do you think, at, what do you think is actually needed to, to get Zambia back to that point? You know, you know what's so sad? We're doing so well. You know, who yeah. we were doing so well in the last 10 years. You, and, and I think it's a case of, Zambia is a case of, you're doing so well, you begin to complain about what is a relatively small thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so they evidently had to come back. Mm. But they were uh, really um, technically strong with the economy. Mm. So the economy was doing very well, and they respected mm. our democratic principles as a country. So whatever else our problems, we knew that those in power served at the pleasure of citizens. We had reached that mm, point. I see. We had also reached the point at which the economy was being managed in the best interest mm. of the country. You know, mm. our fundamentals were strong. We, yeah. we, we survived the 2008 crash very well. Mm. Um, mm, that's true. Where we are now, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult to even fathom, mm. just that we are living it, that mm. you could crush an economy to this extent mm. in 10 years, but mm. also take so many steps backwards. So what we need to reset is simply to go back to the place in which, when, when you elect a president, they know that five years from now, uh, they have to account mm. to the people, and that uh, the constitution is uh, respected. Mm. Uh, opposition leaders can gather, citizens can gather and ask questions, simple things like that. Mm. That would be a major reset for us. But mm. mostly, I think we need to dismantle our debt. Yeah. And I don't even know how you do it. Mm. Because, yeah. uh, because of our dependency. Uh, in the area that I work, I work in social and economic life. Mm. Our debt is, is, is making life just so, so difficult. Mm. You know, we're beginning to see the kind of crime we didn't see. You know, the kind of crime we see in South Africa followed from from ATMs, that's not that's not, not Zambia. But when you think about it, people are 
are hungry. You know, yeah. uh, unemployment yeah. levels are so high. Young people graduate with no hope of getting a job. We don't have a safety net. You know, you don't have the grants yeah. that you have. So yeah. life is, 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 is really difficult. Well, um, just a simple person, um, born on the copper belt, um, raised on the copper belt. My education has always been on the copper belt. Um, I think I'm a believer in um, justice. Um, being a Christian, I think I'm compelled to protect what I believe in. Um, uh, I must say that uh, for me, human rights uh, has been the core of my, my service, I would say. It has been at my heart for time in memorial, I would say. Uh, I remember I joined the Catholic Commission for Justice and Peace when I was just like uh, 15 years old. I joined the mines and then I was doing school and work uh, at the time. Then I decided to join the union, um, which I served for about eight years as, as a union representative. Basically, I've offered myself uh, to be a worker of the just cause. What defines the Copper Belt region? How is it different, you know, to the main cities, Lusaka? And tell us a bit more about the Copper Belt region. Uh, the Copper Belt has been, the, I would say, the bread basket of Zambia. Um, <laughs> This had been the core of mining, uh, which started somewhere around 1920 or 1918, somewhere about there. Uh, mining began from this, this part of uh, the country. And um, it has provided the, I mean, the means uh, to sustain our economy uh, through mining activities. And um, even, even uh, you know, um, uh, manufacturing industries uh, we are also located in this part of, uh, uh, of the country. And uh, by and large, Zambia has been built by the mining on the copper belt. So it has brought in a lot of people, expatriates. Uh, you can name them, they've come to this region uh, because of its uh, mineral wealth. How are human rights defenders targeted or pushed back on because of their work? Is it easy to conduct human rights work in the region? Well, um, you know, I think when somebody is challenged, there is that uh, naturally uh, certain people, if you don't give a thought to uh, why certain people are questioning your decisions or why you are doing something, you also tend to react in a different way uh, or you want to react defensively. Um, I think uh, our government, successive governments, have not reacted well to uh, the issue of being corrected um, by people who they now start to perceive as, uh, you know, being opposition or being against uh, 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 the sitting government. I think it has been challenging for for some of us, uh, being, you know, the way we are, where we want to talk about certain things that we don't uh, see right in our society, uh, especially on governance. 
Uh, we are talking about um, if we do, for example, now we are talking about the commodity prices, which have skyrocketed, and uh, you know uh, 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 salaries remain the same. And uh, we question, uh, you know, certain uh, uh, policies that uh, the government doesn't seem to be doing, uh, you know, right. And uh, you know, for them, one of the certain policies that we have seen that have not favoured our local economy, but yet. They are favoring uh, those people that are coming to invest in our mining sector, for example. Uh, they are paying less in terms of taxes. And then we have, we have seen uh, uh, trends of uh, tax avoidance. Uh, we have seen where uh, you know, certain mining houses are undervaluing uh, uh, their, their produce. So certain uh, mining houses do not mean well. We've seen that others have been in, in operation for over you know, 10 years and have never declared profits, which means they are depriving uh, the local people of uh, their much needed revenue and uh, you know, uh, the resource that they need to benefit from. We have seen uh, that most of them have scaled down, especially in terms of uh, labor, uh, which means now that uh, there will be more workload for a few uh, uh, people that remain employed. Mm. So that calls for you know uh, for companies to be uh, in a, a very you know uh, strict with these people to see what kind of uh, 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 measures that you know they can put in place to ensure that the country benefits. Uh, from its mineral resources. Mm -hmm. So uh, from our point of view, um, I believe we try to raise the alarm where we see uh, things are not moving well because you know, we are working with people that are working in these uh, mining institutions and you know, they would tell us how much they are producing and they also tell us you know, what they are told to, 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 to declare. Mm -hmm. So what they produce is something else and what they declare is something else. And people are seeing you know, their minerals going on the road, trucks are passing every day, but they are questioning where is you know, our money? Mm. And uh, this is uh, our strongest point that we've, uh, I think, uh, stood on to say, mm. uh, probably it is the issue of policy. Mm. But when we talk about policy, I think we have enough policies uh, to govern this mining sector. But the biggest problem that we've had is, you know, corruption in the system that we need to root out. These are the things that we see. So when we talk about corrupt elements in, in government, it, more, it, it comes out as if we are just trying to attack or more like we are working with the opposition so that we can discredit the sitting government. So it has been very difficult, especially that um, uh, there are these cadres, you know, around and uh, when their leaders, you know, point, it is uh, for them, it is just an instruction to say uh, these guys are working against us. And uh, it has really been difficult, uh, more that, you know, some of us are not uh, employed in, in certain, uh, you know, industries at the moment. Uh, but we are just trying to do one or two things business wise and they'll target your business. Mm. They, uh, they will ensure that they for your business. So what they do is they look at uh, where your resources are coming from and see if they can cut uh, where your bread and butter is coming from so that they can silence you. Mm. So we have seen, you know, uh, where they fail, for example, have had uh, moments where, uh, you know, these people would want to uh, give you uh, something so that you, you remain quiet. Mm. And uh, when you refuse, it's like you just 
prickly with, with something sharp. So it has been uh, really a difficult thing, especially for us that are dealing with um, the rural communities where certain, you know, the, level of, uh, the levels of education are, are, are low. And uh, somehow we believe uh, governments are happy that uh, most of the people are not educated. So, uh, you know, when you have uh, a whole lot of community with um, a good number of people that do education, it means they can take advantage of them. So when you go to them and, you know, explain your point of view, you know, about what is happening, they are coming in to use, uh, you know, money, which we do not have. So we are, you know, being challenged, especially uh, with regard to the issues of money. You know what the system does? Uh, the, the system, um, because, you know, they are all over. So they would want to make um, people dirty so that they don't speak. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really, it's really a challenge. We have seen it even now in, a, in a civil societies where certain organizations, uh, you know, have been bought. And uh, they more become like the mouthpiece of, of the government and they would support any kind of policy that may not even um, uh, mean well to, 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 to the people and, and the nation at large. So we have seen that there are certain you know, people that are heading organizations and uh, once they are bought, it means uh, whatever that you know, they speak about is always in support of uh, uh, the government. Mm. We do not, um, we, we, we don't want to fight the government. We mm. actually want to work with the government. But in, in working with the government, there are certain principles that we need to uphold. You know, for example, we should not accept uh, issues of corruption. We should not accept the fact that, you know, uh, certain groupings are being marginalized. Mm -hmm. So those things, are, you know, some of the things that for me, I, I, I have said, you know, uh, come what may, mm -hmm. I will stand against. And uh, I think I've had uh, in, 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 uh, in my life's work, I've had uh, moments where it has really been, you know, difficult to just sit with people and uh, just, you know, have a discussion because uh, they don't want to be seen to associate with me right. uh, for reasons that, you know, they'll be uh, pointed to say, these are the people that are giving, you know, uh, information or data to this particular person. Mm -hmm. So it has been, you know, a difficult path, but it's one thing that uh, for some of us, we believe uh, uh, at least would help, uh, you know, improve the livelihood of people. And, you know, so that our, you know, ordinary people can live a dignified life. In terms of the upcoming elections, has there been sort of an increase in this type of bribery that you're speaking about? Um, what is the what is the dynamic being in terms of the, the elections that are looming? Um, and how 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 is civil society in the Copper Belt region reacting to that? Uh, to start with, I made I made mention of the the publish what you pay, which is a national consortium of uh, CSOs. Uh, that is faith-based as well as just um, civil society organization. And then um, on the Copper Belt, we have formed what we call uh, the Copper Belt uh, uh, CSO for good governance. Mm -hmm. And um, through this organization, we have been able to, um, I think, monitor the activities on the Copper Belt with regard 
to the elections, what is prevailing. Uh, we did highlight the issue of uh, uh, corruption and then the unfair you know, platform that has been you know, uh, given, especially to uh, the opposition. Uh, we, we have found that, uh, so from the media houses, uh, we're talking about the, the coverage, uh, sometimes not being fair, uh, especially to uh, the opposition. These are um, you know, media houses that are controlled by, you know, by the government. So they are not giving the same platform to the opposition or, or even the CSOs that uh, you know, speak against certain uh, things that I know are not uh, you know, being done well by, by, by the government. So there is that unfair you know, coverage uh, uh, by this, these uh, institutions. So they are only the, the, the opposition and um, the CSOs that uh, you know speak against certain things that the government is doing can are only finding you know uh, it easy to work with media houses that you know are private. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of uh, you know elements of corruption um, uh, in in terms of we've seen a lot of gifts now uh, coming round, especially in in churches. Um, mm. where, you know, men and women of God, uh, pastors are now becoming uh, mouthpieces mm. uh, of, of, of the ruling government. They are now endorsing, you know, the sitting government. And, you know, they are departing from the roles which they have, which is to guide, mm. uh, you know, they, they, to guide their flock mm. to vote in a particular, you know, manner that is, you know, uh, beneficial to everyone. Um, so I made mention of, uh, you know, uh, not having a level playing field mm. now, especially that there's a lot of money that is flying around. And um, uh, like I was saying, women, uh, uh, in, uh, you know, of the pulpit that are now being bought uh, into, you know, uh, into you know uh, speaking for 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 the people in government or in making endorsements um, with the chiefs, which should not be the case. And we believe uh, chiefs, uh, men and women of God, are supposed to you know guide uh, their flock into you know voting for the right people you know, or the people with the right message. Mm -hmm. So we have seen uh, quite a lot of you know. Uh, money flying around and uh, certain NGOs have been bought and uh, of government. So mm -hmm. that is one of the issues that, uh, you know, we are, uh, we are faced with. And um, uh, for some of us that, you know, they have not managed to find their way. So we still uh, remain at, at, at risk, especially when we, we are confronted. Well, uh, most of them, like I said, they are being silenced. Um, especially when uh, you know their organization receive uh, some kind of funding from uh, yeah. from from politicians mm. and uh, you see yeah they are uh, you know being quiet and some of them are being used mm. as spies you know mm. against uh, other CSOs that yes. you know that that are speaking yes. so uh, it has really been you know difficult especially when you meet a CSOs you discuss something mm -hmm. you discuss a
and then uh, uh, you find that they are, they are, maybe the, 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 the law enforcers have been sent or the police have been sent to a premises where you probably uh, planned to have a meeting yeah you know uh, yeah for them now they are using uh, you know covid as an scapegoat mm. to stop uh, meetings so it has been difficult whereby you know uh, people in the in in in, in uh, that that are you know representing uh, the interest of the ruling party are being allowed to meet and discuss about you know their their campaigns while those that uh, for example some of us that you know want to discuss uh, yeah. issues to do with how these you know campaigns are being you know mm. conducted mm. are being you know uh, uh, having uh, meetings mm. and then it's really difficult like i said you know whereby some of these you know uh, uh, CSOs have, have been bought and they are more like giving intelligence to um, uh, the powers that be and being you know left to work as individual organization or just as individuals uh, by and large. All right and uh, last question really in terms of the upcoming elections you know what are what are your what are your hopes and what are your fears about the upcoming elections? Right now, because of experience, there has been a lot of um, uh, violence to the run-up, uh, which has now more like been, um, you know, quelled because uh, there was a, peak, a peace accord that was signed by the two major political parties. I think there's um, there's some hope that uh, we may have a peaceful elections, and um, I think uh, our fears are that uh, you know they may. Uh, Maybe certain um, regions that come of the results because uh, we have seen that there are you know certain you know political figures that have you know pre have been preparing uh, their uh, you know cadres not to accept uh, the danger in that uh, considering that we have not voted yet and we don't see a reason why certain political uh, you know parties should claim victory before. Mm. Uh, you know, elections uh, are conducted. So we fear that um, should election result go the other way, maybe, you know, uh, certain uh, supporters of these political parties may take to the street because it may not have gone that way. You know, when people raise issues of vote rigging, um, it brings in a lot of, you know, questions, especially when uh, uh, elections are being done. And certain people obviously are, you know, are too over suspicious about things that are going. Even when the right thing is being done, uh, it is being brought with a lot of questions. With this regime that we currently have, it's not easy. It hasn't been easy because uh, I. I started activism not just because I was in someone or uh, is something that I was wishing to do, but I just happened to be like the victim of justice. I happened to be like in the center of inequality. So, and I've seen that there are a lot of people who are in the center of inequality. Some is just that they are lacking the platform and some are afraid of expressing 
how they feel and uh, what they encounter in their daily lives because uh, this regime, the current regime that we have, is full of threats. Once you just express yourself and uh, your expression has got no strings attached to their agenda or their, their artificial poli policies that they have come up with, they will like make you look like you are a black sheep amongst the white sheep. So it hasn't been easy here currently. The major tool that I mostly use is uh, music because there, there's a number of people who have been following my music. So instead of singing about love stories, I've decided to use my music to talk about inequality, transparency and accountability. So it's the major tool that I use to disseminate the rightful information to the people. Mm. And um, have you faced any pushback from the government because of your activism and because of your music and, and what does that pushback look like? I can say that that is uh, the day in day out thing because uh, uh, in my as a comedian, because I've got uh, my page, it's called television, where every week I have to like drop something in terms of updating people. It's, it's, it's all about current affairs. So they, they are always against what I do, and they are always against. So who they use, they use their cadres. So I've been receiving threats in the out where you even relocate from home. You go into the safe house, but all the same, that cannot stop me from disseminating the right for information. Because if I just keep quiet, meaning that a number of people don't even have the platforms which they can use to talk about transparency, accountability, and equality, will suffer a lot. So I have no, it, it, it has an impact, but there's nothing that I can do apart from keep on preaching until we see change. Because I, I, I don't speak because I can make change, but I can trigger the brains that can make change. So it has become my daily uh, activity. And um, with elections coming up, um, have, you, have you released any specific music, you know, commenting on elections, have there been any actions um, that you've been involved in? Yes, uh, I released something that was a month ago. That's when I received a lot of threats and uh, I, I, I relocated from where I was residing. Reason being that uh, the threats became intense to an extent whereby they were even threatening my life. So oh. uh, I decided to relocate and is currently making some noise. At least the people are appreciating, but the government uh, will. It's, it's, in Zambia, it has been like this from way back. Whosoever speaks against the government, they will say that uh, he's a danger to the society in the sense that they will come up with stories uh, trying to disseminate some stories that you are inciting violence, you are trying to mislead your fellow citizens and stuff like that. They try by all means to make you feel like what you're doing is just negative and they try to make sure that they inflict 
that, that fear in you so that you can stop what you're doing and then just dance to their unnecessary tunes. Do you think that elections will be free and fair in Zambia and um, how will that affect the outcomes of elections? I cannot say that I feel that the elections will be fair and free. I can just say that I'm praying that the elections can be fair and free because of the, the numerous, uh, the numerous, uh, what's this, how can I put it? The, the violence that is escalating in all the provinces of Zambia and then the the ruling parties stopping these other political parties to be campaigning, saying that uh, it's, it's because of the pandemic they cannot be going to the markets. Wow, we are seeing the, the current president going to the markets, uh, gathering people and stuff like that. So my wish, my hope and my prayer is that the elections can be fair and free. Mm. If the ruling party that you know does not win this election do you do you think that there will be change in zambia if the ruling party loses these forthcoming general elections meaning that that is change in the first place that would be change and then we want that change to like graduate to an extent where each and every citizen can access the basic needs, just the basic needs. Well, for in some cases, to an extent where if you go to the clinic, you find medicine there. Uh, if you like go to to school, at least education, quality like education. Uh, you know, HRDs that are being heavily targeted, um, journalists, lawyers on the ground. What actions and steps are civil, so civil society able to take, you know, to combat all of these things that are happening and the targeting of human rights defenders? Well, I have to say there's a lot of civil society solidarity when people are attacked. Mm. We do issue statements uh, and go on the media to... Uh, express solidarity with people who are under attack. Um, organizations such as Chapter One Foundation provide uh, legal defense for human rights defenders who find themselves in conflict with the law. Mm. Um, we also take out strategic public lit litigation um, mm. to, pr to protect and defend rights. Okay. And we've carried out a number of successful campaigns um, which have stopped uh, for example, the Constitutional Amendment Bill, number 10 of 2019, mm. that bill was largely stopped in its tracks due to activism on the part of civil society, um, which enlisted the public uh, in the campaign to stop the bill. People feel that civil society has somewhat, uh, is not as vibrant as it used to be. But I would say that um, in the circumstances uh, civil society has done very well under a, a constant um, flood of mm -hmm. breaches of the rule of law, human rights, uh, constitutionalism, a torrent of, mm -hmm. of, 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 of breaches that have, that have been quite overwhelming. And so in the circumstances, I think civil society has done very well. And um, we have held 
um, we have held up uh, the, the rights and freedoms of citizens uh, in as far as we could. And, and now it's up to the people of Zambia to decide mm -hmm. what they want to do. Do they want to continue living like this or do they mm -hmm. want a better life for themselves and their families? Mm -hmm. The ruling party has set up a world machine of authoritarian, authoritarian rule to maintain and consolidate power if the upcoming elections are not free and fair, Zambia will stray even further from its once-blossoming multi-party democracy on the road of slow or no return. The eroding respect for human rights that we are seeing that is being influenced by the current government, is this just related to to politics or is there something more that needs to happen to bring Zambia back to a flourishing democracy? I'll say that um, Zambia has its history on its side. Mm. So from the time that um, so multi-party democracy was reintroduced in 1991 through the activism of uh, trade unions, civil society, and of course, the public who came on board and said, this is what we want. We want to restore democracy in our country. And since then, we've seen um, uh, other campaigns that are su successful by the civil society, such as the campaign against President Chiruba's third term bid, um, which was also very successful and very widely um, supported. Uh, in 2011, we saw a change in government um, through the ballot box peacefully uh, when President Michael Sata was elected mm -hmm. into office and also the success of Bill Number 10 just uh, a year or two ago through again the campaigning of civil society, mm -hmm. uh, the church, opposition parties, the public, all coming together. So when we're not strangers to activism that mm -hmm. um, asserts the rights of the people of Zambia. What mm. is worrying, uh, which threatens our narrative of that peaceful democracy, is the chilling effect this particular government has had in instilling fear and intimidation against ordinary citizens who no longer feel free to express themselves, particularly online, but also in public spaces. People are now looking over their backs, mm. uh, which we haven't seen since the one-party state. Um, or not to this extent in any event. Mm. So that is a worrying trend and it's up to the people of Zambia now to decide what they want. Do they want to continue to live in fear, intimidation and repression? Or do they want to reassert their rights to living uh, freely and uh, being able to express themselves freely? Uh, and this is what this election is all about. That's exactly what it's all about. Fue la 